0: Boston to Dallas to Houston, a thousand feet up in the air. Rather be in cold, warm city, pop a top and not share. Who cares if he can't walk a lot, He's up so far. I'm leaving Santa Lone Star. Hey, Santa.
1: Sam Mason and
0: Songbird
1: Jones getting things going for us on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm leaving Santa. Lone Star is the name of that one. I love that tune. I'm your host, Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your holiday season with me as we are talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. So you all know what to do by now. Uh, Pour yourself another cup of eggnog and pull that stool a little closer to the old campfire uh, because we've got a ton to get into. And off the top, we're talking big, rut, and post-rut bucks with renowned big buck slayer Dan Einfalt. Uh, So get ready for some in-depth whitetail discussion with one of the best. Uh, Then we switch things up from bucks to bass. When 2014 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Greg Hackney joins us, and Greg will give us the keys to his incredibly successful year as well as break down his approach to fishing a swim jig, a power fishing technique that Greg is widely considered to be the master of. Uh, so we're excited to have Greg stop by for a couple segments before we round things out by talking some mule deer and get the latest and greatest from Game Guard Outdoors when Game Guard founder and owner Craig Smith drops in. And uh, we'll even give away a form-fitted long-sleeve Game Guard camouflage shirt this morning to one lucky listener. Uh, when Craig tells us where he and his family are spending Christmas, all you have to do is text in where they are headed. It's going to be pretty easy. You won't miss it. But when Craig tells us where his family is spending the Christmas holidays, text that in to 214-289-7807 for a chance to win this GameGuard Camouflage Dry Fit shirt. Uh, So anyway, that's what's on the docket for today. It's going to be a good one. A couple other things to mention here. Our December Photo of the Month contest is underway. Uh, We've got a great prize this month. It's a Vortex Optics Diamondback HP uh, 3x12x42 rifle scope. Uh, this thing retails for like 550 bucks. Vortex is all that I use in the field. Absolutely love their products. As far as optics go, you can't beat them. Uh, and we're going to give this scope away to this month's photo of the month winner. All you have to do is email me your best outdoor photo. That's hunting, fishing, outdoors, whatever. Send it to gmail.com, or better yet, if you're on Facebook, just post it right there to our Facebook wall, and we'll get you entered into this month's contest. And then don't forget, our 12 monthly winners from 2014 will square off at the end of the year for our grand prize hunt package at Coons Canyon Ranch. And one lucky listener will get to hunt trophy axis or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So uh, that's our 2014 grand prize And uh, we are certainly looking forward to hunting with one of you fine folks come this spring. Uh, Let's go ahead and do uh, one other giveaway here. I've got a Vortex Optics uh, Camouflage Cap. And we'll give this away to, uh, how about the third person to text in the word Vortex. That's Vortex to 214-289-7807. Text in the word Vortex. And uh, you could win this Vortex Optics Camouflage Cap. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the behavioral patterns of big shooter white-tailed bucks. With renowned white-tail hunter Dan Einfalt, you're listening to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show.
2: And we can skin a buck, we can run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive.
1: Cable Smith here with my good friend Craig Smith, owner of Game Guard Outdoors. And you know, Craig, Game Guard camouflage has been concealing Texas hunters for over a decade now. And this fall, we're equally as excited about the brand new and revolutionary Gulf Coast cooler, uh, the first modular cooler system ever to hit the market.
3: Yeah, Cable, we're excited about it. It truly is a modular system, and now a guy doesn't have to have... Three or four different coolers. He can have one cooler that he can attach another one to it. We have wheel wheel attachments that snap onto the cooler to get it to and from the boat, and with a lot more attachments to follow this season.
1: Well, we're certainly looking forward to using ours in the field this fall.
3: And cable, we want to we want to thank our customers again. This is our eleventh season, and and uh, things just keep getting better. And we appreciate every one of them.
1: Well, we appreciate you, Craig. And for more information, y'all visit GulfCoastCooler.com.
0: I'm Craig Boddington.
1: BioBore EB is the premier gasoline additive that combats the negative effects ethanol has on an engine. Its comprehensive formula is designed to protect marine engines and marine environments, yet also works great in all two- and four-stroke engines. It prevents phase separation and ethanol-related engine problems. While stabilizing fuel for 18 months, BioBore's detergents also clean the entire fuel system of carbon and varnishes. BioBore EB has the best treat rate in the industry. One ounce treats an amazing 15 gallons of gas. Available at your local sporting goods store or visit BioBore.com today.
2: Up on the morning,
1: wet for the sun. Walk to the
4: woods of Grandpa's gun. You climb up in a
2: tree, quiet as a mouse. Knock him in the head, dragging back to the house. Dear meat, it tastes so fine.
1: Deer All right, Dear meat, meat is the name of that one. One of my favorites there from our good friend and hunting buddy Justin Bowerman, bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show, presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Hope everybody is having a great weekend. Uh, We are actually about to get into some in-depth whitetail discussion with one of the most respected big buck assassins in North America. But first, this segment proudly brought to you by Buck Chum from the same folks who created Ghost Powder. Buck Chum is Texas-made and milled and was created to give mature bucks the nutritional value they need to grow heavy racks in the summer and recover from a long, hard rut in the winter. Check out Buck Chum by visiting ghostpowder.com today. We'll move in right along here. Our first guest today is set to make his return to the program. He's a Wisconsin native who has killed close to 40 Hope and young bucks. Uh, he's been featured numerous times in Field and Stream magazine. Uh, he's also got his own website called The Hunting Beast. It's my pleasure to welcome Dan Einfalt back to the show. Glad to be here. It is certainly our pleasure. Uh, you know, we enjoyed having you on last fall uh, after the Field and Stream feature on you came out, and uh, we've had quite a few listeners uh, say they'd love to hear you on the show again and and uh, have you share some more expertise on whitetail hunting. So. Uh, we'll get into that here today, but first of all, uh, how has the 2014 uh, whitetail season been for you so far?
5: Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, it's had its ups and downs, but uh, I came away with a couple nice bucks, and my son got a really nice buck, um, so I'm happy.
1: Yeah, I saw I saw your son's buck on uh, Facebook, and I think you said it went about uh, 160, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, heck of a deer. Um, well, you know, down here in Texas, much of the state, Uh, save save for south texas they'll they'll come into rut here uh a couple more weeks but most of the state is either you know in full rut or actually you know kind of winding down as we speak so with that in mind um what would you say is the biggest mistake hunters make during this you know this absolutely glorious time of the year that we all know is the rut uh
5: biggest mistake probably over hunting uh the same spot and not thinking outside of the box, mm-hmm.
1: and so, and I know you're a big proponent of and just stuff that I've read, stuff that I've seen, uh, you know sometimes one one time is enough to completely blow out a spot in your opinion.
5: Yeah, if you, you think about it, um, a buck that's six or seven years old is one that we're all after, correct? right So how do they get to be six or seven years old? They don't get to be that age um, by going where people are. They find little niches and they find little hideouts where people don't go. And that's one of my biggest knacks is to, you know, figure out where don't hunters hunt? You know, what what's being missed here? Where, You know, is there a little patch behind the barn? Is there a little area nobody's um checking out? And usually that's where I'll find those really big bucks.
1: Let me ask you this. As far as other tips, like, is there anything that, you know, you always have with you? I don't know if you... Are a proponent of uh, you know like doe estrus uh, attractants or or if you are you know always make sure you you know have your rattling horns with you during the rut. Is there are there things that you swear by during the peak of the rut?
5: You you know really when I go out hunting I usually I usually have a grunt call with me, but other than that it's usually just my tree stand. You know I don't uh, carry a bunch of stuff out there. Um, my thing is about catching them totally off guard and catching them by surprise.
1: And so do you, I mean, do you think that those attractants work or, I mean, is that something that you totally shy away from?
5: I think they do work, but I do think that uh, there's limited success. I think um, you have a hard time fooling a mature buck. When you try calling them, a lot of times they swing around downwind or they just, they know what's a trick, you know, and then they scatter out of there. Uh, to me, calling is the last resort. I have that grunt call. And if I see one or hear one, and he's obviously going away from me in a desperation move, I'll try to bring him in, and it's worked for me. Uh, One of the bucks I shot this year I grunted in, which is pretty rare for me, Mm -hmm. but it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to go out of my way to sit around calling all the time, I think I'm scaring more deer than I'm attracting. Mm -hmm. And I think those mature bucks have been around a while. They've they've heard that thrown at them, and, uh, you you know, they know that game.
1: Mm -hmm. And same with the scents. Do you think folks overuse those as well? yeah definitely i mean they work but you have to have a buck in the
5: absolute right mood um because really if it if it smelled just like an actual dough in heat you could put it upwind of a 10 mile swamp and every deer in the swamp would come running up there because they can smell for them distances mm-hmm. um so it you know it's something that makes them think well maybe
6: mm-hmm.
5: and sometimes they come in sometimes they don't but i think guys get caught up in a game of using these products, and You know, they have limited success with these deer sneaking around and such, but they're not really killing deer on a consistent basis. I mean, they're not getting a buck every year during the rut because of the scent they use or or because of uh, calling. Um, It's just one little trick that they're using. For me, what I'm doing is figuring out where those animals live. I'm getting deer consistently. I'm getting onto bucks, even in pressured areas, consistently.
1: Right, right. Um, let me ask you about moon phases and how much stock you put into hunting specific moon phases and if that, you know, totally flies out the window during the peak of the rut.
5: You know, um, actually I, I do believe in moon phases and I don't believe in some of them. I mean, I know there's different theories out there, but what I do believe is when the moon is overhead or underfoot, that there is greater, um, deer movement and, um, that's helped me a lot. Um, I didn't used to believe that, but I had a friend who was a very good hunter um, go back and show me a history of trail camera pictures
6: mm-hmm.
5: and made me a believer. And when I started watching and, and, I, and I believed in it, I started seeing results like you wouldn't believe from hunting those, those overhead underfoot phases. Now, to say that when the moon's overhead at noon, bucks are going to start running around all over is kind of crazy. But if that moon overhead hits an hour before dark, you get an earlier movement, which can be key to a spot where that buck's not quite getting far enough for you to kill them.
6: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: You know, Or in the mornings, um, I find outside of the rut, a lot of the times those uh, big bucks are bedded before daylight. Right. Um, but when that moon's overhead right around dawn, a lot of times you're hitting those beds a little after gray light and you're getting a chance to, to shoot them at the bed again.
1: Mm -hmm. in daylight Hmm. okay yeah and i I mean you know that's one of your biggest attributes is i mean your ability to hunt these bedding areas like you said you find out where they live and then it's all about for you setting up in a position to catch them coming to or you know leaving that bedding area Mm -hmm. um let's let's talk about that so if you're on private land um, and I know that, in, and you've killed, I believe, like 30 or so Pope and young bucks. The majority of them coming on public land. But let's say you're on private land. I know you you do hunt some private as well. Um, if you're going to try to sneak in there and set up on them, do you like to wait until the end of the season to do that? So you don't say you say you it fails and you you know you totally get blown out of there, you get busted, uh, and maybe maybe you've ruined your shot at that buck, uh, or maybe you push it onto the neighbor's place and it gets shot over there. Is that something you consider, waiting till the end of the season to, to kind of make that approach to that bedding area?
5: Uh, not really. Um, the way I approach it is, is the peak times. Um, if I don't want to burn my property out, per se, I'm going in a specific time frame that gives me the best opportunity to kill that deer. Um, I think our early season um, up here is really good for, for bucks. It's probably the best time to shoot a big buck on a pattern. Um, so opening week is, is a big one for me to move in. Then I back off and I give them like 30 days. Uh, you know I hunt p- private land too,
6: mm-hmm.
5: and and I hunt it aggressively, but not really aggressively. And what I mean by that is I go into those bedding areas, I give it a shot, and I back back out, and I'll go you know hunt a bunch of public and stuff, and come back a month later, and give them a long time to to, to relax. And a lot of times on that public or private land. I've got what I call observation stands, and they're already set up. And they've got really good access where I, I'm i not gonna have my wind blowing in there, I'm not gonna have my access trail going into there, but I can get up in a tree and I can see the areas up against these bedding areas and I can see if that buck's in there or moves. And a lot of times, you know, you wanna sit a lot, but you don't wanna burn out your property. I'll sit in these spots and watch, and when I see a big buck move, then the next day I go in for the kill on that spot.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, uh, probably a lot of hunters don't want to put in the time to, they're probably just lazy or they don't have enough days they can spend in the field or whatever. But the idea of just going in to observe and not really hunting is, uh, it's probably lost on a lot of hunters to be a- a- honest with you.
5: Right. I agree. I, I, you know, I hear that comment a lot that, uh, they don't have time for that. Well, you know, I don't have time to waste a hunt. Yeah. You know, I look at it a whole different way. I, you know. Um, I don't want to go in there and have that buck come out, you know, in the wrong spot or, or he's not there that, that week, but he's going to be there the next week. And I got my scent in there now. And, and when he comes in there, he's going to smell how was there and it's over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that my, my valuable time is spent wisely. And I think that I have, you know, uh, a lot better hunts by uh, being patient. And I think that patience comes with age and experience. When I was younger, I dove into all those spots and, and I had the same feelings, you know, I can't waste a, a hunt. I, you know, I would hunt the whole season from September to, to January and be mad because I missed two or three days because of a holiday or something. i like, why do I have to stop for this holiday? You know, <laughs> you know, now that I'm older, you know, I, I value my family life a little more and, and such, but I also value my hunting time and I'm a little more patient, a little more laid back got nothing to prove. I sit back and I watch. and I have better results that way.
1: Uh You also, though, you'll go in, I mean, you'll stalk all the way into a betting area. Uh, I think you told me last time, and if I remember correctly, you killed one of your largest bucks to date while he was laying in his bed, and you snuck up on him with a shotgun. Yeah, that's
5: absolutely true.
1: Yeah, and so talk about that. I mean, to execute a, a perfect stalk like that, what went into planning that situation out?
5: Well, I'll tell you what the biggest thing is, is confidence you have to believe that that animal's there. You know, you have to, um, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't have confidence in it, you're going to make too much noise, you're going to, you know, go too fast. Um, but I've killed a lot of big bucks by creeping up on their beds and shooting them.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, in that one, I watched that deer bed there for two years. I picked up one of his shed antlers in that bed. And during the season, I could see him from a long distance from those observation trees, waiting for him to make a mistake, waiting for him to get far enough away from that bed to kill. And he just wasn't doing it. I mean, he was too nocturnal. He would only move a short distance, and there wasn't no trees in there. It was short grass. It was hard to get close. There's one little patch of cattails in front of him, but them cattails were in line with the wind that he always bedded on. And what I did was on Thanksgiving Day in the morning, the wind was correct to bed there. And sometime around midday, that wind switched and did a 180. And I knew there wasn't any place to bed around there unless he got up and walked across those open fields. Mm-hmm. And I was confident he was going to be laying there on the wrong wind for that spot, and I had a vulnerable axis to get in to creep up against those cattails. And that's what I did, and it worked.
1: Hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Incredible. Um, what would you say are the biggest post-rut mistakes that uh, you see hunters make? Uh, you know, these bucks are obviously... Uh, they're no longer looking to breed now. It's all about feed. Uh, you know they're they're changing their behavior, um, and I don't know. Maybe hunters continue hunting the same way. Maybe they change it up and and they do it. Uh, you know incorrectly. What what do you think as far as uh, post rut mistakes that whitetail hunters make?
5: No, the biggest one is probably not observing because um, late season um, bucks on those food patterns. That's probably the most. Um, repeatable pattern that you get out of a whitetail they'll do the same thing day after day and they'll bet really close to a food source um one thing a lot of people don't know is on those food sources that they bet on the downwind side of blocks of timber or blocks of brush went to the back coming through the brush watching out into the opening so a lot of times they're watching their food source hmm. so a guy observing that buck coming into that field every day thinks oh i can just slip in there and kill that deer he comes out at four i'll get in there at two and that deer's watching you climb the tree
6: mm-hmm.
5: so understanding how they bet is is important in in that late season uh, uh deal because a lot of times you're waiting for that wind to be blown from that wood block into the field so that you have the wind advantage but that's the same wind that puts that deer bedding on that outside edge of that wood lot or brush looking out at the uh, at the food plot or field or food source mm.
1: Okay. Okay. Um let me let's talk about something else that's hand in hand, you know, goes hand in hand with the late season is cold weather. I mean, it gets bitterly cold. You live in Wisconsin, so it's way more miserable up there than it could ever possibly be down here in Texas, but uh you know, the coldest days of the year, January, February, um I had a respected uh biologist and author once tell me that the coldest, windiest day of the year is one of the best days for deer movement um, but not a lot of hunters know that because they don't want to be up in a tree on the coldest windiest day of the year. <laughs> yeah,
5: he's he's absolutely right on.
1: Yeah I mean people say oh deer don't want to move when it's windy but here's the thing is they still do and uh yeah. and on the coldest windiest day I mean they're cold too and they got to get up and move around to stay warm. Absolutely. And I've seen videos of you looking like you're freezing up there in a tree stand uh, you know and obviously snow all around you up there in Wisconsin so i know you're out there on those cold days and i imagine your advice would be uh you know it's got to grin and bear it if you want to get the big buck cold weather it's just part of the deal you,
5: you know uh there's a lot of guys up here that just wait for that cold weather um they you know if you got private land and you got good uh like turnips and brassicas in on a food plot it can be unbelievable i mean there's a little uh private farm uh close to me that's like 80 acres and, and the whole surrounding area gets pounded and we put in a brassica plot there for late season uh last year and uh i went in there on a on a day when it was uh i think there was like 25 below wind chills and it was nasty out and i had i think it was uh around a dozen pope and young bucks in that field and the whole season i think we'd never seen more than one in that property
1: <laughs> wow
5: you, you know, But that late-season draw, that food, can be huge.
1: Right on. Well, um, Dan, I obviously really appreciate your time today. I do want to give you the opportunity to uh, to plug your website, The Hunting Beast. Uh, great forum, a lot of content on there.
5: Yeah, we've discussed a lot of tactics in depth on the, on the forum. It's a great place uh, to learn about uh, new methods to hunt and outside-of-the-box stuff. Um, people should come and uh, check it out.
1: Right, yeah, it's a great site, thehuntingbeast.com. Y'all check it out. Uh, Dan, you also have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, so uh, people can find you there as well. Thanks so much for your time today, my friend. Always great to talk big whitetails with you, and we wish you continued success in the woods this season. Thanks for having me out. Take care, brother. Okay, bye. All right, there he goes, Dan Einfalt. And, you know, if Field & Stream is beaten down your door, Asking for you to share your whitetail hunting expertise, uh, you must be doing something right. I tell you what, 20 Pope and Young Bucks on public land. Uh, pretty impressive stuff there. And that segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by Cindero Seed Company, Texas' premier seed company. They've got anything and everything you need to keep your whitetail herd happy and healthy, including the Dr. Deer-backed buck forage oats. Check them out at Cinderoseed.com or call Rob Hughes at one 610 seed today. Well, let's knock out a quick break here. When we come back, we'll change things up, talk some big bass, with the man who currently sits atop of the world of pro bass fishing, 2014 Bass Elite Series Angler of the Year, Greg Hackney, stops by. You're listening to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors Show.
0: Let her blow, let her blow. Did you know there's a bank that will pay you to be its customer? That's right, Lone Star Ag Credit is a cooperative and, since it's owned by its stockholders, pays millions in dividends each year. That's free money to every borrower. Lone Star Ag Credit serves people all over Northeast Texas, assuring you competitive interest rates on real estate loans, rural home loans, livestock and farm and ranch loans. Contact Lone Star Ag Credit today at 800-530-1252 or on the web at lonestaragcredit.com. Equal housing lender.
2: Whitetail season has come and gone, y'all, but that doesn't mean it's time to stop hunting. Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas specializes in exotics such as Axis deer and black buck. Coons Canyon offers quality animals at a price the working man can afford. Military personnel, police, and firefighters get 10% off the total price. Lodging is available, upon request, as are other exotic species. Visit coonscanyonranch.com for your next exotic trophy hunt. That's coonscanyonranch.com.
1: Hey friends, Cable Smith here for DFW Safes. We all know that our guns are a big part of our lives, from grandfather's old 12-gauge to that trusty tack driver of a deer rifle. And DFW Safes is North Texas' premier safe dealer, specializing in rhino, bighorn, huntsman, heritage, and fortress safes, to name a few. They're family-owned and operated and have over 24 years' experience in the safe and installation business. They even have commercial safes for your business and and scratch-and-dent safes for the most frugal of gun owners. Visit dfwsafes.com to set up your delivery today. That's dfwsafes.com or call 817-715-1068. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? Then check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years' experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A, retrievers.com.
6: All right, this is Captain Sig Hansen from The Deadliest Catch. You're
3: listening to The Lone Star Show?
1: Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hi, <laughs> All
6: right, this is Captain Sig Hansen from The Deadliest Catch, and you're listening to The Lone Star Outdoor Show. I got a three-legged dog. I called Jake. Got the warm back dance
1: scars on his face. He touched with the bag. Came in second place. Nothing on me. A good one there from Chris Knight bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, and we're about to talk some big bass with the current Elite Series Angler of the Year. But first, this segment brought to you by Foreverlast, where we live hunting and fishing. Check out their full line of awesome outdoor products by visiting foreverlast.com. Well, our next guest is a larger than life personality who also happens to have just won his first ever BASS Elite Series Angler of the Year title, which he'll add to a laundry list of other accolades. It's my pleasure to welcome the master of the swim jig, Greg Hackney. Thanks for dropping by.
4: Yeah, it's good to be here.
1: Oh, man, it's our pleasure. And, you know, you've had one hell of a season winning your first Elite Series Angler of the Year title. Uh, you also won tournaments, not only on the Elite Series, but also on the FLW Tour as well.
4: You know, uh, it was definitely one of those dream seasons for me. Um, I guess, the uh, main, you know, by far the main thing was the, you know, winning Angler of the Year and Bassmaster has always been a huge uh, goal of mine. And, you know, honestly, it's one of those things that has driven me as a professional angler and, um and then the other cool thing, of course, is to win. You know, I'm one of the few guys to ever win uh, an event, you know, a regular season event in both tours in the same year. So uh, that was actually done twice this year, I guess. Uh, Brett Haye also, you know, accomplished that. But still, it's a it's a real elite group that has done that. So it's still kind of a dream for me, really.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and you you know, you're also an elite company. Uh, you won the, I believe it was the 2009 uh, Forest Wood Cup Championship. Uh, you've also won an, uh, FLW, uh, Angler of the Year and I think BASS, uh, a Rookie of the Year. So, you know, you've, you've got quite a few accolades and, uh, up until this year, I know just reading your bio, obviously the Forest Wood Cup championship, probably the highlight of your career. Where does the Elite Series Angler of the Year stack up with that?
4: <laughs> well, right now it's number one, uh... <laughs> You know, not taking anything, it was a a huge deal for me to, you know, to win the FLW Angler of the Year, Uh, and I'm a very goal-oriented, motivated, you know, person, and all of these things have been big goals for me, and, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, in 05, I was, well, in 04, I won the Bass Rookie of the Year, and actually finished second in the points in both tours, Uh, and then, uh, you know, the next year, I won the FLW Angler of the Year, and so... I mean, all these things, I guess, um, you set goals for yourself and they keep us going. And so, you know, each one has been very, very important in my career. And it's it's funny how it is. They're all very important. Of course, now, you know, the Bassmaster Angler of the Year, you know, I think if you ask most of my group or the group that I fish with, you know, everybody will tell you that that's, that's pretty much, you know, the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. Um, the classic probably gets more hype and that and now that's my next goal or my next agenda. But the anger of the year, you know, there's that whole year all over the planet from one side of the country to the other uh is very, very special and uh you know, it's it, it, it's like winning the Four Sweet Cup. It's just it's the pinnacle of our sport and um, you know, only a handful of people ever even have the opportunity to get close and so I feel very blessed you know, to have won these things. And uh and of course, you know, the the classic's coming up here in February and I would I stand a chance of being the only guy which I'll be the I'll be the only guy in this year's classic I guess that has a chance to have won all four titles and uh uh that's that's very motivating. it's just an honor. You know, it's an honor of, like I think Van Dam, uh Yellis and Danny Breyer and now me are the only uh you know, the only guys to ever win angler of the year in both tours. So, uh, that's a very elite group. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's no, <laughs> I don't even know, you know, I don't even know what to say about my name falling in that group, you know, cause all those guys were my heroes even before I started, you know, started fishing professionally. So, uh, it is, uh, it is awesome to say the least.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually had Denny, uh, Brower on the show last week. Uh, and, it... You know, I know you, you fish uh, a swim jig, a little different technique than Denny, but, you know, he's long been looked at as a master of, uh, of shallow water jig fishing. Um, one of our listeners wanted me to ask you, though, uh, when you're flipping, say, or you're, or you're fishing your, your well, I think it's the Hack Attack, your signature jig, correct? Correct. Uh huh. So does it matter uh, what what poundage line, what pound test are you using and what type of line?
4: Uh well, typically for uh most of like when I'm fishing like when I'm throwing the Hack Attack Heavy Cover swim jig, uh ninety nine percent of the time fifty pound break. And uh the the reason for that is that jig has a extremely heavy wire hook in it. And typically when you know, most of my you know, swimming a jig, it's either a, if it if it's not heavy cover, it's a really fast retrieve, uh which gives the fish you know, the fish don't have a lot of time to look at the line. I'm not concerned with line far as been seeing it, but I am concerned with having a real low stretch line, you know, to get a good hookup. Mm-hmm. Uh and of course when you're throwing it around heavy cover. Now, flipping on the other hand, um, I'm probably fifty fifty. If the cover is heavy, um, and, you know, even in extremely clear water, if I'm fishing heavy cover, I'm I'm strictly a braid guy. You know, braid line on that too. Uh but there are a lot of situations more time than not, you know, when I'm flipping twenty pound gamma fuel carbon. <sighs> It's just, it's one of those deals you have to be prepared for both. It just depends on the situation. If right. I'm flipping and pitching to sparse for cover, clear water situations, uh, places where I'm actually pitching my bait and I'm fishing it back more, uh, I typically use, you know, I stick with 20 pound gamma fluorocarbon. If I need to go heavier than 20 pound, I typically just switch over to braid. And, uh, I 50 and 65. Now, if I'm punching mats, I like 65. Uh, just what I call normal, Heavy cover flipping, uh, situation, I, I pretty much use 50. Um, there, the, there's a couple reasons for the braid. I, I don't have really any fear of them seeing the line most of the time. This is the deal. Around vegetation, wood, or any type of cover that I'm putting that bait in and kind of fishing it up and down, it would be hard for me to believe that that fish can distinguish between my line and another piece of cover. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's a strand of grass or a uh, piece of wood or whatever. Um, The other thing with braid, it carries no light. A lot of people don't like it. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, if you like it or not, you know, I built a flipping stick, my 7-Eleven, uh, Hack Attack flipping stick was built to flip with braid, you know, so I designed a lot that Hack Attack jig, you know, the hook, we put a hook in it, you know, to hold up to the braid because I'm a big fan of that. And, um, I try to go, this is the deal. I, you know, I'll use six pound test if I need to, but I also only go, as light as I need to. If I can get by with 50-pound braid, I use that. The reason for that, it makes me more efficient. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't want to be fighting that fish. I don't want it to stand a chance of leaving that fish around the cover and him coming off. Uh, <laughs> you know, tournament fishing and just fishing for fun are two totally different things. Um, you know, I'm all for going out
1: with light line and, you know, giving them a chance if I'm just, you know.
6: Oh, sure. But, I mean, I, know, like, I like fly fishing
1: line. for bass, but, I mean, exactly. obviously you wouldn't do that in a tournament, so.
4: Right. So uh, my deal, you know, tournament fishing, regardless if I'm, you know, cranking, flipping, drop shot, whatever it is, whatever equipment I'm using, I just want to be as efficient as possible. And uh, so that's one of the reasons, if, you know, the, the deal is if I can get by with some catching them on a three-quarter ounce jig, I'll throw a three-quarter over a half, and the reason for that, it gets to the bottom quick.
6: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: whatever it is, you know, I try to figure out what will make me better at what I'm doing. Um, you know, so if I need a three eight ounce jig, of course I use it, but if I get by with a half or like I said, a three quarter and, you know, I do that with everything, you know, uh, anytime I can catch them on a bigger bait. And one of the reasons for that is, you know, bigger baits have bigger hooks. Right. Because again, there's less chance for the fish to come off and a better chance for me to land it. So, you know, I have a really aggressive ap- approach, you know, it, the same deal when it comes to, you know, a lot of people like fluorocarbon all the time. You know, they don't like braid. They don't like the non-stretch. They're scared of the 15 or whatever. And and like I said, typically, if I'm catching them on 50-pound braid, of course you can catch them on, you know, fluorocarbon. But why use it? Right. Right. I'm I'm, I'm more or less into the hook set and the strike. I'm not into the fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the quicker I can get them in the boat, I figure, you know, for— For me, that's, you know, that's how I keep my lights on. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, no no doubt, uh, no doubt.
4: That's one of the reasons that I have that approach. So I I feel like I'm a little, probably a little more aggressive than, you know, than most fishermen out there, you know, Uh because of that. Sure. tournament fishing has created that, you know. I mean, I started off doing all my flipping with, you know, 20 mono. Yeah. You know, and, and when I went big, it was 25 mono. And I don't even know how I caught fish on it. Now, our equipment is so much better, you know, with the braids and the and the, the good fluorocarbon that we have now, the low stretch lines, that uh, it amazes me the things that we used to catch them on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, and then you look at someone like uh, Denny, who's been around since since grass has been growing, and, you know, it's amazing to see the things they used to catch them on. Yeah. And you,
4: know, t- I, you know, I'll use Denny as an example. Uh, Denny very seldom uses braid. Uh, he's pretty much a 20, 25-pound uh, fluorocarbon guy, you know, used to be a mono you know twenty twenty five pound mono guy, but he uh he pretty much ninety percent of the time i know we you know we talk in links and i have uh and Denny's always been a uh you know of course a hero of mine i mean you know he he was a god among bass fishermen, but he he's one of those guys that does not like you know only uses braid when he feels like is a hundred percent necessary. Yeah. You know. That's just, you know, the difference in fishermen. Everybody's different.
1: Well, and those old timers they get set in their ways too. I mean, he doesn't Denny doesn't even have a Facebook page, so you know, it's uh Yeah,
4: but you know, I'm thinking Denny's been around since before Braid.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: No doubt. He's been around since they used the iron line. Yeah. Uh, I'm
1: just kidding, I have to poke at him when I get the chance.
4: He's had so many surgeries done late, lately, you know, he's like the bionic man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and a good thing, too, though, because his surgeon ends up being owning a pretty uh, sweet whitetail ranch, and I don't know if you saw a picture of that 240-inch uh, yeah, buck he shot this year.
4: I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me the way Denny likes to deer hunt if he hadn't uh, maybe took a hammer to his knee just so he could get the opportunity to get a deer
1: hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well um uh, one of the things that you uh you're not shy about saying is is you like the challenge of fishing new water. Um so you're from Gonzales, Louisiana basically an extension of Baton Rouge these days. Um you know, we're right here in the south with you in Texas. Or uh, if you were fishing a new piece of water right now, cold weather, um what would be the first thing that you would look for as far as, you know, finding bass in shallow water? Well, uh, well, you know,
4: pretty much you know, when you get to the colder time of the year, you got to have one or two things. You know, if you're going to keep the fish shallow, typically you need heavier cover, uh, some rock, something for those fish, you know, to get on shallow. The the biggest factor of this time of the year, you know, we're still borderline early winter, fall, especially, you know, here in the south. We've had some cold weather and it's warm back up. Uh, number one is shad. You know, without a doubt, it seems like that, you know, from even early fall on, you know right up to freeze up you know that uh you know shad are probably the number one forage for bass in the fall mm-hmm. it seems like they forget about everything else and they just really gorge you know that time of the year so the biggest factor i guess this time of the year is without a doubt bait you know it's fine where the shad are because that seems to be where the majority of the fish are this time of the year um but really another big key factor to fish shallow in the wintertime when it's cold is you need good cover you know whether it's vegetation a lot of wood You know something that will absorb some heat on those warmer days for those fish to relate to uh because it seems like if you don't have that in the winter time more than any other time uh you know when the water temperature gets cold those fish are going to pull out you know pull out the brakes and suspend and you know and just chase bait around you know i think that's that's one of the deals all over the country right now made the alabama rig you know so powerful this time of the year from now till you know till the spring of course in the spring the fish start moving back shallow and pre-spawn that doesn't seem to be a factor but pretty much any lake in the country now that has shad you know in the in the winter time or fall you know that the alabama rig is just dominated you know because it looks like a school of bait fish oh sure well, i despise the thing honestly because um and and it's i it, it's terrible to throw you know because it's heavy i don't like that but you know, bass fishing's kind of a sport deal for me, so I'm I'm not really necessarily a big fan of it. But one thing that it has helped me a lot, it has opened my eyes to the size of the fish that bite it. And uh I, I feel like one of the biggest factors, one thing that I learned from the Alabama Reef, I and honestly I've never caught a fish. because uh, huh. the biggest thing I do I I'd mostly deer hunt this time of the year.
6: <laughs> yeah when we're
4: uh you know when we're not fishing, but uh what has opened my eyes about it the the giant fish that have been caught on it that what I've realized is two things seem to fire these trophy fish. Either they will only attack a whole school of shad where they can eat three or four. You know, if they're going to make an attempt, you know, they need to gorge when they feed or they mm-hmm. eat something giant, you know, because the last few years, you know, the, the giant foot long and two foot long swim baits from out west, you know, that have made a, have made a showing from the Tennessee River to Texas to, you know, all over the country. And so the Alabama rig is kind of the same way. Now, that has been one good thing for me. I, and when I say I'm against it, I'm not against people fishing with it. I'm just against it on, in the tournament.
1: Right, right. You
4: know, I'm glad it's been banned in our tournaments. I mean, as far as going out there fishing with it, I, one of these days it's going to roll around right, and I'm going to get to throw it and catch some on it. Everybody okay. tells me it's the most awesome bite because of the way the fish attack that school of bait. But uh, but the main thing about that statement was that what it showed me that those giant fish, like there, there are lakes that, they never caught fish over eight pounds out of, now they're catching 12 to 14 pounders out of with it. So what it shows me is that those big, big, now see, I can use this in other ways, but uh, that these big, big fish, you know, are targeting whole schools of shad, you know, rather than individuals. You uh-huh. we'll throw a little crankbait out there, big bass is like, I'm not wasting my time on one shad, but you bring seven or eight shad by me and I'll, I'll eat them all. <laughs>
6: you know, so
4: that's pretty cool. That's been a really cool thing about it, but. This time of the year, you know, I really, it's all about the shed. You know, it's all about the shed. Uh
1: Uh-huh, yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, and it's not just bass fishing. I mean, uh, the Alabama rig, I don't know if you've ever fished Lake Texoma, but just an incredible striper fishery. And, I mean, a lot of the guides out there throw that exclusively during the winter because, you know, they just school up and just crush that thing.
4: It's, It's really a great deal. I mean, you know, the guy who came up with the, I mean, you know, Umbrella Rig's been around forever, but the guy who was smart enough to come up with the, you know, the way to throw it on the casting rod, it is the deal. Now, I will tell you this. I would have loved to add it for a couple of years before anybody knew about it. I mean, because it is just the dominant force, you know, in that right situation. You know, mm-hmm. when those fish, those hybrid stripers, you know, of course, are big uh, are big shad eaters and, uh, and when the bass are on it. I mean, it's unbelievable at the size of the fish it catches. Yeah. You know? But the funny thing about that, I know guys who have taken it to places like Falcon want to catch anything on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but I think it's because those big fish there eat something else, they're tilapia, with giant crawfish You know, they just have a totally different food chain, you know, from other lakes that sure. have a big shad population.
1: Well, you mentioned earlier these giant swim baits and uh and I actually just happened to see a picture of you uh I don't remember where I saw it. It was I was online somewhere, but uh you were fishing with Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie. He's a longtime friend of our show and going back to these giant swim baits, you had a pretty nice slab on the end of your line. I think it was like an eight pound bass ended up hitting that crappie and and uh, swallowing it whole and you reeled them both in.
4: Yeah, that was awesome. A six pound <laughs> test. Uh,
1: six
4: pound but test. Again, yeah, wow. but, on, but on six pound test. But, you know, but again, that goes back to uh, giant fish, you know, eat giant baits. Uh-huh. That crappie probably weighed three quarters of a pound. It was you know, 11 and a half, 12 inches long, and uh, and you know, you think about how deep a crappie is. Before I could get that bass in, it pretty much had half of the head already past its crushers.
6: You
4: know, <laughs> it just, oh, you know, I you know, I guess that's one reason that I like to fish for my bass is an awesome predator. Uh, yeah. And you just think about what we normally throw, like you know, you're plinking a seven-inch worm or even a half-ounce jig is a small profile, a normal crankbait, and then that, you know, that, that fish was probably, you know, realistically somewhere between eight and a half and nine and a half pounds. I mean, it was a big one. I don't think it was a 10, but um, it was with the crappie in its mouth. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but for it to eat, you know, a bait that, uh, you know, that large. The other cool thing about it was Wally had caught maybe four or five, and I hadn't caught one yet. As soon as we pulled up on this big brush pile it was deep like 35 feet, and uh, he'd caught four or five crappie out of it, and uh, I'd had two on, it come off, and then i get this one on, and it kind of gets hung, and I guess the the deal was, when that crappie got hung, you know, it's flopping around down there on a limb, and it, you know, made that bat, you know, it got enticed that bass to strike it, and then I catch, I told him, I said, I finally catch a crappie, and it's got a nine-pounder attached to it, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't need to catch a crappie now, it's made my day.
1: Yeah, well, that's about par for the course for the way your year is going, my friend. It's been an incredible one, no doubt about that. Uh, Greg, I would like to uh, work in a quick commercial break here but still want to get into uh, Major League Fishing and then also your passion for big whitetails. So are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes?
4: Oh, yeah, i got plenty of time.
1: Perfect. And that segment proudly brought to you by Rudy's Barbecue where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner and enjoy Rudy's true Texas-style barbecue. Uh, Y'all don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from 2014 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Greg Hackney. You're listening to Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I sang Dixie as he died.
4: People just walked on by
1: as I cried. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. The Central Flyway migration of ducks and geese is going to be epic. And if your trigger finger is getting that itch, then give Ed Hanson of Hanson Outdoors a call. Now booking trips in the Northeast Texas area. Hunt lakes like Cooper or Lake Fork for $150 a gun or hunt Ed's private honey holes for $200 a gun. You'll also enjoy amazing dog work with Retriever Champion Lead. Isn't that right, Lead? Visit HansonOutdoors.net to book your trip today or give Ed a call at 903-521-4595. And right now only, book a four-man duck hunt and bring a fifth hunter for free. Rockwall Gun Club is North Texas' premier shooting facility, offering both indoor and outdoor ranges, including a unique 500 yard rifle range. If shotgunning's your thing, then check out the 18 station clay course. Opening summer 2014, Rockwall Gun Club is offering special introductory family and corporate membership rates for founding members. Located at 15950 State Highway 205, you can also visit rockwallgunclub.com or call 972 215 6902 Rockwall Gun Club, the private shooting experience.
0: At Frost, we could talk to you about our 24-7 online banking. Or we could talk to you about our more than 1,100 ATMs across Texas. We can even talk to you about our mobile banking app that lets you pay bills, transfer funds, and deposit checks from anywhere. But at the end of the day, there's nothing we enjoy more than to just talk to you.
5: Thank you for calling Frost. How may I help you?
0: We're here with the technology and convenience you want and the service you deserve. Frost. Banking. Investments. Insurance. Larson Electronics is a Texas-based lighting
1: company that's been outfitting the United States military since the 1960s. And while they continue to support our troops, they also now have over 200 lights ideal for your hunting and fishing needs. Like the 35-watt HID Camouflage Go Light Striker with remote, that's 15 million candle power in the palm of your hand. Ideal for predator and hog hunting, they also have remote-controlled floodlights, feeder lights, and LED boat lights. Visit LarsonElectronics.com and go Texan with Larson Electronics for all your lighting needs.
2: Once I was a carpenter and man, my hands were calloused. I could swing a metal mileage, sure and stray. But I took to the highway, a poet young and hungry. And That's the music I of the
1: Avet Brothers bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, and uh, we are about to continue our visit with 2014 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Greg Hackney. But first, this segment is proudly brought to you by STI Guns, Texas Made and Texas Proud. They're based out of Georgetown. They're actually employee-owned, and they have a full lineup of 1911 and 2011-style pistols and a wide array of calibers. So check them out at stiguns.com and go Texan for your next handgun purchase. Go STI. Uh, Well, let's go ahead now and pick it back up with Greg Hackney, uh, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. Greg, in addition to fishing the Elite Series and winning it, and then also fishing uh, the FLW Tour, you also are very involved in Major League Fishing, one of our great partners. Uh, What's your favorite aspect of of that fishing format
4: you know uh it, I, it it's funny it was um there were parts of this year that were really rough for me the traveling and and being away from home more so than I have been in the past um but it really made the year go really fast um i mean God it just seemed like it just blew by was from one tournament to the next uh just about the time our regular season was over, you know major league fishing started up. I mean, we've been to some really cool places. (laughs) This is funny. I've been to Maine. I'm trying to think. You know, I mean, I I fished from, you know, close to home to all the way to Maine this year. New Hmm. York, Michigan. Uh, I mean, I've been like a worldwide traveler this year, but the year went really fast. Uh, Seemed like the season went twice as fast as it normally does. And I, I guess the biggest reason for that was I was just... I just never had time to do anything but fish. I was just from one event to the next. And, uh, you know, honestly, I really enjoyed it. Of course it worked out, uh, but it just, it kept my mind thinking about my job. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I really didn't have time. I didn't have two weeks off here and two weeks off there to think about anything other than, you know, than fishing. I was just so tournament minded. And I, you know, I honestly, uh, I honestly feel like that was, you know, the biggest reason I had the year I had. I think spending a lot of time on the water, I can look back on past seasons, you know, when I've had, you know, my better seasons, and it's the biggest thing that was really uh, the same component was, you know, when I was fishing a lot. Yeah. It just seems like I'm one of those people. You know, I don't pre I never have pre-fished much. It's not something that really, you know, seems to fit, uh, you know, fit my style of fishing. It seems like what helps me is just every day being on the water. Um, you know, not necessarily prepare, preparing for an individual event, but just being on the water and just kind of, I don't know. It just seems like I read the water a lot faster than normal, you know, by doing that. So
1: yeah. Well, uh, you like, you stay in the zone. I mean, obviously you, you know, focused and, and, uh, you know, like you said, there's never that wall where you kind of, uh, maybe get off your a game, um, why, let me ask you this. Why did you decide to go back to the F L W tour after I mean, I think you hadn't fished it in nine years?
4: Uh well no, it hadn't been uh has it been that long? Yeah, maybe it has been. Uh I had been fishing the opens often you know, the FLW opens and then they got rid of those. This year for me, I guess it actually I could have done it one year sooner and wish I would have, but um it's really like it had gotten to the point where it was this year was the first time that the tournament's been conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the biggest reason. Uh, of course, like, when I decided, when I was fishing both tours in, like, say, 05, 06, and then, of course, I started, I guess I started the FOW Tour 2001 or 2002, and then right after that, I started the Bass Tour, and, of course, I fished them both. And then when the Elite Series started, you know, we had, you know, we had, like, four majors, or they were actually Elite 50s in, and then uh, 11 regular events, and I just couldn't juggle you know, fishing both of them.
6: Mm-hmm. And then it
4: worked around so I could fish the Opens and I, that's how I qualified for the 09 FLW Championship and won, you know, was through the FLW Opens. Uh, and it really had been this this year before the schedule worked out right for me to fish both. I, um, I'm still kind of on the fence about next year right now just because even though they don't conflict for, say, you know, on the exact days, it's just a couple, you know, tournaments when they're 3,000 miles apart and I don't know, you know, I can do a lot. I just don't know that I can make that happen. Yeah. Well, kind of on the fence about that for next year, but, um, but that was the biggest reason. And I felt like, you know, honestly, I I felt like it was hurt. You know, I I fished fishing eight events spread out over eight or nine month period. I just didn't feel like that was enough time on the water. You know, I wouldn't spend enough time on the water and I needed to fish more. And Mm -hmm. so it just worked out perfect that I could fish both tours. And then, you know, I kind of had a lackluster year on the FLW tour with the exception, you know, I. I had two top three finishes, and of course one of them was a win, which was huge for me to win on the Tennessee River. Uh, The the Tennessee River has always been really, really good to me, but not that time of the year. Uh It has kind of, honestly kind of been my nemesis. So for me to win on Pickwick this year against, and honestly, I feel like the FLW Tour, I mean, you know, of course has some of the greatest fishermen on the planet, but has the best Tennessee River fishermen on the planet. You know, fished that tour. I felt like they were in that tournament, so... Uh, big, huge feather in my hat, you know, to win there at Pickwick <laughs> that time. When the best ledge fishermen in the country are there and, uh, and a river rat like myself slipping over there.
6: <laughs> you know, that
4: was just a huge deal and just, a, you know, I, I found two schools. It's it's funny. I've won other tournaments or whatever, but I've only found, I guess, two spots like that my whole career. And one was at Falcon. Um, and I won, they won the East West fish off that, you know, a place where I set the whole tournament. And caught every fish that I weighed in making the exact same catch. Uh and I've only found two schools like that my whole life, I guess, you know, and one was at Falcon and and that one this year at Pickwick. It's just so awesome to find place. You know, you see guys do that, but um it's just so hard with today's electronics, you know, and as good as these guys are with their electronics, you know, to find a place that somebody else didn't find. Mm-hmm. And then Pickwick fished really small during that event. And I had that place to myself, and no one else ever, I, you know, no one else ever tried to
1: make a cast where those fish were. Hmm. <laughs> that's a, so that's awesome. a luxury right there, yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, uh, last thing that I did want to ask you, well, actually two more things. Uh, number one, what is your favorite part about Major League Fishing? And, I, and like I was saying earlier, my wife and I watch it, she doesn't, she doesn't really care about bass fishing, but the live scoring and updates uh, and, you know, the way that it's formatted really captures the, I think... It, Captures the viewer's attention, and, and that's why it's so appealing, even to the most casual fishing fan.
4: I love that part about it. Uh, of course, I, I mean, I love everything about Major League Fishing. I I like the deal where we don't have to fool with the fish. You, when, when what I mean by that, we don't have to put them in the live well and worry about keeping them alive and all that. It's so cool to be able to catch them, weigh them, and put them right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big, you know, that's a big deal. But probably what I like about it the most is we go places with no practice. That's what I like about it the most. And, uh, I just think it really, I think the cream really rises to the top in those deals. It, it, you know, and, and of course our group always impresses me, but if they really impress me, you know, it just really goes to show you the ones that can catch them regardless. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you can take them anywhere in the country, it doesn't matter if they've ever seen a place or not, and give them eight hours, and before the eight hours is up, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, sometimes they may start off a little slow, but you better get ready. You better be figuring them out because you know they're coming. There's going to be four or five of our guys and every one of those. Been, you know, and how awesome is that? You know, you think people ask, you know, how do you go to a lake and practice and break it down in three days and then fish a tournament? Well, how about Major League Fishing where – you go there and you got eight hours to practice and break it down and fish a tournament
6: <laughs> yeah you know
4: so uh it is so cool there are no waypoints everybody's got the same rig everything is the identical the only thing that are different between us are what you decide to bring in your boat and mentally
0: <laughs> i mean other than
4: that everything's the same uh I think it's the purest form of the sport, honestly. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome to watch that scoreboard and watch it run up or watch you get, you know. Now, I can tell you, I've been on both ends of it. I've run the score up, and then I've been on the bottom end when they're running it up, and it feels like they got their foot on your throat.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the the scorekeeper's always stuff. like, well, Ke- Kevin Van Dam just caught a four-pounder, and that bumps you down below the cut line, you know. and then, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know
4: what? Kevin is one of those guys that has, in which, you know, I mean, He's excelled at that format which that came to no surprise, you know, to anyone. Uh he's excelled at every format. Uh I, I took off behind him at our last event and uh and you know, uh Dave Mercer he's uh well I say took off behind him at the last Bassmaster event, regular season Bassmaster event, and they're calling out his uh they always kinda call out the highlights at Blast off in the morning and I'm going out behind him and I'm listening, you know, on the way out and he's seven-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, four-time Bassmaster (laughs) Classic Champion. And I'm like, really? Is that even possible? Yeah. It's so awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. No doubt about it. Um, Hey, last thing. uh, I know you mentioned earlier you're a big deer hunter, uh, and I imagine you've spent quite a bit of time in the woods this year. Have you gotten a nice buck on the ground? I have not.
4: Our deer hunting is real. I have actually deer hunted a lot. I've sat with uh, i with my uh, my two boys a good bit. They both killed deer already this year. Uh, we actually went to uh, uh, went to Texas with the Strike King bunch here uh, a couple weeks ago, and they got to they both got to shoot him a buck in Texas and some hogs and some javelinas and really had a good time. And uh, so everybody's hunted. Now it's Daddy's turn. So <laughs> um, our actually I I hunt in Mississippi on the Mississippi River and our rut is just now. I'm actually on you know. On the way home from there, now I've been there for a few days and it's just kind of started. I saw some small bucks chasing. I actually, saw one mature buck chasing uh, this morning on the way uh, on the way out. So I'm pretty pumped about next week because my plan is to hunt uh, you know, pretty much every day next week, and that's right after the full moon and it's prime time. So uh, hopes are high.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, Greg, uh, we hope you smoke a big one in the Whitetail Woods this week and. Also wish you continued success on whatever tours you decide to fish uh, in 2015. And, of course, we'll look for you on Major League Fishing as well. Thanks for your time today, man. Okay. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you later. There he goes. And, man, what a nice guy, too. 2014 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Greg Hackney. Uh, Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, uh, we'll be joined by our longtime friend and apparel sponsor, Craig Smith of Game Guard Outdoors. And uh, don't forget about that Game Guard giveaway that we're doing this morning. We've got a long-sleeve Game Guard uh, camo shirt that we're going to give away. Uh, And the trivia question is very simple. Where is Craig Smith and his family spending the Christmas holidays? Uh, Text in the answer to 214-289-7807. He'll tell you where he's going coming up here in the next segment, so stay tuned for that. Of course, we'll also talk some mule deer hunting, uh, one of Craig's biggest passions, and a whole lot more. That's coming up only on Dallas Safari Club's all Star Outdoor Show.
0: Hey, North Texas sports fans. This is Brian Spagnola, general manager of Texas Motorcars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorcars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles, and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9TXMotors.
1: Cable Smith here for The Seat Shop. That outdoor lifestyle we all love, yeah, it can be pretty rough on the interior of our trucks. That's why I trust my friends at The Seat Shop. Is your driver's seat ripped where you slide in and out of your truck or SUV? They can replace that one cover, and the new leather is guaranteed to match your factory interior. Or if you want to overhaul your full front row or your entire interior like I did, The Seat Shop can definitely take care of you. And if you're looking for something to protect your leather, they've got the new Carhartt seat covers as well. Perfect for hauling gear, guns, and dogs around. Guys, The Seat Shop is a great family-owned company who really knows their stuff. And their old-fashioned customer service is a hard thing to find these days. I had a great time working with them, and I know you will too. So visit theseatshop.com or give them a call at 214-710-2565 today. If you're in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas, Louisville, Bobcat of Fort Worth, and Bobcat of Longview. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. At LSC Trailer Sales, we offer a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds and more. We can special order a custom trailer specific to your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions you might have about trailers. Call 940-484-5500 or visit us at lsctrailersales.com. Finally, quality trailers at affordable prices in Dallas-Fort Worth.
0: I'll find you anywhere you hide.
6: I am the midnight, I'm the lonely. Home of the surging souls I am the whiskey sip you drink instead of
1: going home I'm when the lovers rock I'm when the dreamers pray I am a little bit of hope when you need it. I am the midnight, one of my favorites there from Granger Smith bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris I'm Cable Smith and let me tell you, uh... Just uh, randomly here, if you haven't been to a Granger Smith slash Earl Dibbles Jr. show, you need to check it out. Granger puts on an an incredible show. He's got a great band. And then, of course, at the end, uh, he slaps the overalls on, comes back out as Earl Dibbles Jr. And I'm not making this up. The guy put two full bags of Levi Garrett chewing tobacco in his mouth at the same time while trying to sing the Country Boys song. Uh, it was one of the most uh, incredible things I've ever seen. I don't know how he didn't vomit all over the place right there on stage. But uh, Granger is a heck of a nice guy. And him and Earl, man, they love their deer hunting. And uh, it was a pleasure having them in studio recently. So uh, check them out if they roll through your neck of the woods. Definitely worth the time. And uh, they put on a great show. Uh, we're about to visit with Craig Smith our longtime friend, and the owner of Game Guard Outdoors. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get involved with this great group of like-minded folks, uh, check out the website, biggame.org, and uh, we'd love to have you stop by a meeting or or definitely come check out uh, the convention, which will be taking place January 15th, through the 18th traditions once again it will be at the dallas convention center and folks from the outdoor industry from all over the globe will converge in dallas for a -a one-of-a-kind event celebrating the outdoor lifestyle Uh, and you won't want to miss that i guarantee you um well without further delay let's go ahead and bring on our next guest here um i can't tell you how big of a fan i am of his products i've been wearing game guard exclusively on all of our outdoor adventures uh for gosh going on five years now i truly believe in the products and i know a lot of y'all out there do as well uh craig smith from game guard outdoors always a pleasure my friend
3: thank you man i'm glad to be here
1: it's always great to touch base with you and uh, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about today uh, concerning game guard outdoors. But uh, first of all, how has the 2014 hunting season been for you so far?
3: Okay, well it's been awesome. We've had our best year ever, and you know we got a lot to be thankful for. Our, our company's just blossoming. It's been awesome.
1: Right, I know this is the busiest time of the year for you, uh, but I, I believe you still had a uh, chance to to get out to Colorado, do some mule deer hunting, and I'm, I'm sure you've been doing some uh, whitetail hunting out west as well.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, mule deer is my passion, and I've been hunting in Colorado for years, and uh, I went again this year and got a pretty good one, and went to out in West Texas in Van Horn area and, and uh, you know, didn't get one, but some of our guys did real well, so I, I love the mule deer.
1: I know you've you've had the opportunity to hunt a lot of different uh, species all, all over North America, but is there anything left on your bucket list that uh, you haven't done yet that's uh, kind of up there as a priority for you?
3: You know, I—I I, I mean, I've killed elk and mule deer and moose and antelope. I think I've, I've probably shot pretty much everything here I wanted. There's a, there's a few bucket list items out of this country that I that I'm chasing. But uh, until I get rid of all these kids at the house, I'm going to have to hold off on some of those.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you've got five kiddos and uh, I think three teenage boys uh, still in the house, correct?
3: Yeah, I'm we're. We're still we're still feeding three, so yeah, uh, I got a ways to go.
1: Well, do they all enjoy hunting as much as you do?
3: All my kids, four boys and a girl, they all love to hunt and and fish, and uh, you know that's one thing that we all can do together. And uh, so yeah, they love the outdoors.
1: Awesome, awesome. Tell us what's new with uh, with Game Guard, as you guys are always evolving, always doing new things, uh, while still offering the A premier camo pattern for the texas hunter something that you've been doing for i can't believe it's been 10 years now
3: yeah actually this will be our 12th 12th year uh this year you know we you know my family kind of getting off subjects tad our family's been involved in you know ministry all over the world and this year we launched a uh what we call the signature line it's a high-end leather and camo and i believe eight pieces and uh you know, our, what we really wanted to do was come up with something that we could really just give all of it back. And we launched it a few weeks ago, and it's it's just been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, 100% of the proceeds are going to ministry. And it's something we're passionate about. And, uh, you know, as long as we can, you know, put a good product out there that people will buy, we're, we're giving back. That's That's been our goal.
1: Hmm. Well, and that's unique because, you know, you hear these companies who say, you know, a, a portion of proceeds are going to go to X charity or whatever, and then you do a little research and you find out it's like, uh, you know, half a percent or less, and yeah. uh, and you know, that's a that's a nice gesture, but really, I think a lot of folks can do more. You're doing it. You're giving a hundred percent of the proceeds back with the Game Guard Signature line, and I was eyeballing this toiletry kit. I think I'm going to yeah, put on we, my yeah. Uh,
3: you came out with a you know like a weekend bag. It's a real nice bag. You can put your boots and your clothes in. We did a briefcase or, you know, uh, we did a toiletry bag, a gunsling, belts, a couple of different wallets and I think a license holder. Uh we're already planning for more, you know, next year. But we, we wanted to do something that, you know, we could give it all back and um, you know, so far our our uh, customers have supported us and we're not advertising it that way but uh you know, if anyone's curious why we did the signature line, that's
1: the reason. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been—I uh, know—I think your whole family, or at least the uh, younger kids, went to uh, Africa last year uh, on yeah, a mission we
6: trip.
3: we're, we're doing—you know—ministry work in Africa and India. And this year, we decided as a family, rather than celebrating Christmas, we're going to go to India and serve others. And I think it's—it really pulls us together as a as a family. It opens your eyes to other other cultures and and other needs around the world. And so that, that's where our focus is.
1: Awesome. That's awesome. I haven't done any mission work in, uh, it's probably been my mid twenties, but, uh, my mom's a dentist. And so all throughout, you know, my childhood and into early adulthood, um, whether it was the Dominican Republic, Brazil, or wherever our family was very involved with her going and, and her mission was obviously, uh, the dental aspect and providing free medical care, uh, with some mission yep. teams. But, I have to tell you, on those trips to Brazil, uh I I was just as excited about the peacock bass fishing as I was helping out <laughs> so. Well
3: it's you know, we try to if we're in other countries we try to you know, when we're done doing what we went there to do, we try to go, you know, take in some of the other things and you know, it's very rewarding when you when you can help others and, and uh, you know, we've made that a part of our as our family. It's a big part of that and also our, our business here, you know, we're we're very involved in charities.
1: Well, uh, I believe you guys went on a little safari uh, while you were in Africa as well. Uh, and you now you guys weren't hunting, but I imagine you saw some animals on that safari that you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, putting a tag on.
3: Yeah, we were in the Massa Mara, and uh, we spent three days in there, and we did a photo safari all three days, and we actually stayed in the Mara, uh, and it was unbelievable. I saw the, you know, the migration of the wildebeest and. Saw a lot of animals that, you know, you see on television, and um, yeah, I was, it had been handy to have a rifle, but <laughs> they don't allow any hunting in the, in the Mara, so we just shot them with a picture, with a camera.
1: Awesome. In addition to uh, the Game Guard signature line, of course, you guys obviously uh, still have your full line of outdoor apparel for the uh, Texas outdoorsman or woman. Um and then, of course, the uh, vent-back uh, fishing shirts, uh, wildly popular item, which, and that one's really taken on, uh, you know, gotten a lot of traction outside of Texas as well. I mean, folks in California and Florida are sporting that thing, so that's really been a, a, a successful item for you guys.
3: It, it's been huge. We have dealers, you know, all the way to Florida and Carolinas, and we're, you know, it's really spread like wildfire, and we know people have lots of choices, and uh, but I, we put out a great product and you know we're a family-owned Texas company and people have accepted us in those states just like they have here
1: well uh, whether we're hunting or fishing Game Guard has been our official outdoor apparel for gosh going on five years now and uh, I, it's basically all I wear <laughs> and, you know Aaron and I will go out to a nice dinner occasionally and uh, she'll be wearing a dress, and. I'll put on my my blue jeans and a game guard fishing shirt. And uh, she kind of looks at me sideways and says, don't you have anything else in your closet? But they're so comfortable, and you don't have to iron them. Uh, And that's, for me, that's huge with a button-up shirt. Uh, But something else that we are really excited about, Craig, and uh, you guys unveiled this at ICAST in Orlando this past summer. It's the Gulf Coast Cooler Line which really adds a new and unique spin to this cooler industry that we've seen just explode over the last couple years. Well, the, you know, i
3: spent about three years designing this. It's the first modular cooler system. And what I mean by modular is it has uh, other products that will attach. You can attach a small cooler to a big cooler. Next year we're adding three new sizes. They all interlock. Uh, also with a wheel system that uh, interlocks. We did get it patented. Uh, so, you know, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna be the answer for everybody, but for the people that are running up and down the beach or head, carrying, trying to carry coolers to the boat, you know, we have a system where you can compartmentalize food or drinks or, you know, whatever. You can, you can kind of mix and match your system uh, and I, I I feel there's a need for that, especially for ladies that are trying to manhandle these big coolers around. Uh, they can pull it, a kid can pull this thing around. So we're real excited. Next year we made like I said, we made a bunch of changes and next year we'll roll out the, the revised or we call generation two and uh, I think the public will will be impressed.
1: Very cool. And yeah, one of my favorite things too, uh, you know, when you're talking about on the boat is uh, you can also attach on the ends uh, rod and drink holders, which are, uh, you know, the rod holder aspect uh, really comes in handy too.
3: Yeah, and we just uh, getting ready to launch our cradle system that will fasten in the back of a truck or a trailer or boat so that that cooler can be locked in and not stolen. Uh, that will be coming out next year. Uh, so I, just stand by. We got a lot of good stuff coming and. Uh, a lot of this will roll out, uh, we're pretty sure, in February to March uh, time frame.
1: Awesome. Well, we are certainly looking forward to that. You've built your business, like you said, uh, 12 years on, you know, really having a relationship with the with the consumer, with the customer. And, and I know that that will uh, just continue to be GameGuard's uh, business model in the future. And, and I think that's uh, why you've had so much success.
3: Well, we, you know, um like I said, we have family on. We started just my wife and I, and we've grown it into, you know, to a nice business, and I I appreciate every customer. I mean, we're like I said, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but uh, every customer is important, and we will go out of our way to, you know, to help anybody, and, uh, and we stand behind all of our products. So I think, you know, in the long run, we're going to be a, be a good bet for anybody.
1: Well, it's been the only bet for us, Craig, and I couldn't be more pleased – Uh, with the products that you offer the outdoorsman or woman out there. I know what kind of people you and your family are. Uh, Hopefully our listeners uh, kind of got a glimpse of that today as well. And uh, like we said, you guys are heading off to India uh, to spend Christmas doing some mission work. And that right there should tell you all you need to know about the GameGuard family. Craig, we wish you continued success this hunting season, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again very soon.
3: I appreciate it, Cable, and you guys have a a happy holiday.
1: We will do it. Safe travels, Craig. Thank you. All right, there he goes, GameGuard founder and owner Craig Smith, and you can check out their full product lineup by going to uh, GameGuard.net. Man, that is going to do it for today. Hope everybody enjoyed the broadcast. I know I did. Uh, Thanks to Craig as well as our other guests today, Uh, renowned big buck killer Dan Einfalt as well as 2014 Elite Series Angler of the Year, Greg Hackney. Uh, We'll do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors.
6: To two-step, and we could call
0: a missin' and find a corner booth alone. Just a huggin' and a kissin', like two lovers reminiscin'. My endless feeling's coming on strong. If she gives me half a chance in romance, I'm gonna dance her home.
1: Ben Lofton Fencing is Texas' premier fencing company. They apply a design-it-right, build-it-right-the-first-time mindset to all projects. And with 15-plus years' experience, there's no job they won't tackle. Ben Lofton Fencing specializes in deer and exotic game fences, breeder and handling facilities, water gaps, as well as farm and ranch fences, and corrals and working pens. Better Business Bureau certified, they offer the quality and personal service you expect. So for your next fencing project, go Texan and call Mr. Lofton himself at 254-709-1320 or visit benloftonfencing.com. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the System Hog Trap